Hey everybody out there and thanks for joining us. We are the Drink 5 Network bringing you today the Fantasy Football Podcast, September 15, 2015, Week 2 Preview. Okay, happy Tuesday, Jason. Oh, it's great to be here. That means that we've made it through one week of football. <laughs> well, it's always better approaching the season um, rather than coming down from it. It's kind of like uh, maybe an, an illicit drug. Uh, it sort of is, actually, I think. Um, well, we'll get into that, I think. So so you're, <laughs> so you're uh, you know, approaching the football season and you're really excited about everything and the preseason is coming up and all these players are are getting traded or getting injured or, or getting new positions and filling those within the teams. Yeah, you, you like. get really excited. Everyone's prognosticating. And then at the end of the season, it's it's like, uh, you know, you're missing something again and you have to wait for it. And uh, I realize... I, if, I feel like at the end of the season, I'm spent. And I need <laughs> some recovery time. Well, maybe. But I, I could take more and more and more is what I could take, I think. <laughs> Okay, but but you know I, the NFL players can't, and, and they're getting injured. We'll, we'll touch on that. There later. would be no NFL players left if they played in the spring too. No, there would be zero. They'd have to start hiring from you know Canadian League and from the indoor football league, and it'd be it'd be terrible. My suggestion is when spring comes around, watch a little bit of hockey, and then if you really need the football action, watch Aussie Rules football, which starts um, in like late spring our time. Mm. <laughs> we could find, you know, football-ish things. Canadian football starts in the summer. I'm just not interested. And Canadian football leads right into the NFL. That seems like a really bad substitute for the, the good actual product. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a substitute. Do you, do you know... All, I'm just saying let's not kill all the NFL players off. Do you know a lot of uh, CFL stars? Uh, I know of two big CFL stars from the past. No, no, no. Guys right Today. now that are in the CFL that are lighting it up. Um, no. I'm because... hoping that it could be Jordan Blackman soon. <laughs> or Justin Blackman. If I'm missing his name. Yeah. Not because I usually just screw up names anyways, but because I truly forgot for a second. Well, you know, point is it's just not a big draw. It's, that's all there is to it, really. What are you going to do? Well, I mean, it's a big draw in Canada. I guess. But the NFL is probably still bigger than the thing. CFL, isn't it? The NFL is bigger than everything. Exactly. That's not really, like, it's fair. No, but that's... It doesn't need to be fair. You I, you could legitimately compare it to, like, hockey in terms of viewership. The CFL? I think so. Because both have low viewerships? Well, the the NHL has very high viewership in Canada. <laughs> I'm not... I mean, you know... It, it, it's popular there. Uh, right, right. What do you want? I mean, it's popular over in Northern Europe, too. Man, I don't want to bleed this discussion into hockey. I don't know how I got into that uh, category. I, I got you to talk about hockey for a second in September. It's bad enough for me Boom. when when hockey like starts, you know, in the coming weeks anyway. So I'm not really interested in bringing it up. Right oh yeah, now. this time next month we'll have had uh, the NHL season start, which is totally inconsequential. There'll to be me. baseball playoffs, Dave. We'll be talking about preseason NBA. No, we won't. <laughs> no. We're not going to talk about any We're of those. We're not going to talk about any of that. No, absolutely not. So, uh, we are the Drink 5 Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Dave. Across from me is Jason. We're here every Tuesday to bring you I guys... I we never did that, huh? To bring you guys stuff and things. You things know? and stuff. And what we're drinking. <laughs> and we just we just talked about how uh, you know football is, is so great. It's finally here. Week 1 is in the books. Week 2 is on Thursday, which is just 
two days, less than two days now away from us. And it opens up with a big game against, uh, well, the Chiefs versus the Broncos. Mm-hmm. And that should be kind of a high-octane game. Both have good defenses. Both have good offenses. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. So do you think that there'll be as much uh, discussion this year about, oh, I don't like Thursday night games or players kind of suck on Thursday night? Or, like, it, will the Thursday night games eventually uh, either be okay with everyone or sort of pick up? and uh, live up to the other games. Well, it seems like you are, are the one that brought that up all the time in the past couple of years is how bad Thursday night games were. I feel like I uh, gave voice to a uh, minority of people, of course, but a, <laughs> a group of people that had a problem with Thursday night football. I, I just think, you know, Sunday night has a whole bunch of games, so if one isn't good, then you have all these other games that could possibly be good. So it's easy to flip to another channel, or if you're on Red Zone, they will just won't show those games. Right. But on Thursday night, there's one game. And if it happens to be uh, not that great of a game or just a boring defensive battle or whatever, okay. you have to watch it. So you think people are just finding patterns because that's what people do and there's nothing really to it? Well, the, the other possibilities are what? That it's a, it's a short week, so they're tired. Or uh, the NFL is just picking teams that they think are going to be bad on Thursday. Like... What, what do you think the deal is? Yeah, well, I mean, part of the deal with having a Thursday night game is that they have to spread it around the league as much as possible. No one gets... Uh, traditionally, no one had gotten more than one Thursday game in a season. Right, so they're not going to have a bunch until, of Cowboys versus Giants and, and stuff like that. They're not going to have Bears Right, right, you Packers. can't do that every week. Um, but, you know, last year, they had the Cowboys and the Bears play on consecutive Thursdays, which makes sense, especially when there's a bye week thrown in uh, leading into it. Uh most of the teams are able to, you know, just treat it like a normal week. And I think that that actually made for a little bit better football. Um, but, hey, I, I'm just happy to have football, I guess. Yep. So uh, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, so we are drinking the Victory Dirt Wolf uh, Double IPA. Um, I think we've had it on here before, but it's from Victory Brewing Company in Downington, Pennsylvania. Now, is Downington near Philadelphia or Pittsburgh? I don't know. I, I love uh, oh, okay. I love Pittsburgh, but I, I do not know the area. All right, well, it is in eight point seven percent beer, so that is pretty sweet. It's a double IPA. There is a little sweetness. It's to a it. four pack, so you know that it's a quality beer. It's pretty nice, a very golden uh, tempered beer, not a huge head, um, and it has a whole lot of alcohol forward in its taste. So uh, it's pretty good. It's uh, definitely more of a citrusy IPA rather than um, a hoppy one. We just had the opposite of that, and it was like pine resin from Deschutes, and that's a really that was a really good beer. But it was, uh, it's amazing how they can just make these IPAs be so much different now. That you know, do they really should they really all be classified as the same type of beer? I don't know, but but I'm fine with it. I you know, anyway, moving on. Uh, Congress is is going to start looking into daily fantasy sports. So you're familiar with DFS. I think uh, you played some this year. Um, you did all right last week, if I do say so myself. You, you won some money. You uh, quadrupled up in a tournament, right? I did quadruple up. So leave it at that. Okay. We'll not, we'll not talk about the actual dollar amounts. <laughs> we'll just have you guys out there thinking that he started with 50, and now he has 200. He did well, a really it, good job. The way that people talk on the radio, they're like, yeah, I bet a buck, and it was... Uh, and it was, you know, really $100, right? So I bet like two bucks. No big deal. Well, see, you're not supposed to tell them. It's, it's this uh, air of mystery. It doesn't hey, have to nobody be. Knows it, nobody knows if I really bet $200 or not. And oh. quadrupled up. All right. You wouldn't want to tell everyone you have this giant DFS problem. I mean, if I, if I did that, we may be drinking like champagne. 
<laughs> but probably not. So we're talking about FanDuel. We're talking about DraftKings. We're talking about there's a whole lot of these, but those are the two biggest ones. Uh, specifically, one Democratic congressman has requested a congressional committee, and he said anyone who watched a game this weekend was inundated by commercials for fantasy sports websites, mm-hmm. and it's only the first week of the NFL season. So, I mean, how did you? How did that sit with you? A, a bunch of DraftKings commercials because it was an ESPN broadcast. Everywhere you look, it's either FanDuel or DraftKings because it's a billion-dollar yeah, industry. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the only thing worse than seeing all those commercials was watching Chris Berman and Trent Dilfer do a game on Monday Night Football. So Monday Night was pretty bad for you. Oh, <laughs> oh man. The first game was good, the Eagles-Atlanta uh, game. The first game was good. I never uh, had such an appreciation for Tariko and Gruden as I did when we watched the second game. Okay. And even uh, you joined in the uh, jeering at them. Uh, yeah. Uh, so he says these sites are enormously popular, central to the fans' experience, arguably, and professional leagues are seeing the enormous profits as a result. Now, FanDuel and DraftKings have both partnered with not only the NFL, but the NBA, uh, individual teams, um, all kinds of big companies. So they're, they're sort of becoming ingrained or have already become ingrained in this entire NFL process. Right. They've gotten huge amounts of investment capital over the last year. Um, and the last hearing uh, was, I think, back in 2006, and originally it was in the 90s, maybe, about uh, fantasy sports and how maybe they weren't gambling because they were skill-based. Right. Which you could, you could argue the same thing about, you know, about, about the poker, daily about horse handicapping, about almost anything. Well, in a lot of states, like the state we live in in Illinois, you can go 20 minutes from here and bet on horses, and you can go to an off-track betting place and bet on horses from around the world. So they did say that, yes, fantasy sports, in the traditional sense where you're playing with a set league over a long period of time, uh, is more of a skill game and thus was exempt from gambling laws. However, it's been compared, and I wish I knew who to credit this with, but DFS is more (laughs) like the slot machine of fantasy football. You just pull the lever and you get what you get. Well, that's sort of true, except that you are picking the players. You so. are, but you get the, that whole weekly reset thing. Yeah, kind of uh, makes it much more like gambling. Well, it it would be as if you you um, had signed up for a fantasy league, uh, and let's say I have nine of them this year, for example. So there's nine fantasy teams that I'm the manager of. Now, if you just sped up the the time that those fantasy leagues go to fruition, then it would be sort of a, a similar thing. So the fact that the time has anything to do with this is a little puzzling to me. No, the way I would look at it is that if you had all those leagues, but you had to pay for them every single week. But it doesn't matter if you if you split up the payments or if you pay for them all at one time. Oh, it matters a lot in your uh, mentality. Okay. Because a lot a of people, thing. no, a lot of people would, and this the reason why people have to pay up front is because if you paid weekly, a lot of people would stop playing if they weren't any good at it. But since you have to pay up front, you, you, you know. You would think that, but still there's a lot of people that are not very good playing fantasy football. And I don't think they play <laughs> for very much money. Well. The, you know, the, the thing that bugs me about all the commercials is that they're basically implying that just deposit a little bit of money and tons of winnings will flow back to you. Well, it's an advertising campaign. The only reason that we're not getting that kind of advertising campaign about fantasy football is it's a bigger commitment, right? So it's 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 not like we are as commissioners are going to advertise to all of our friends and family with like big signs and TV commercials to join our fantasy league because we're not a company. So this is a company who's running it. Well, I mean, Who we're just inundated budget. with these two companies. Uh, advertising, but in years previous, there's been millions of 
NFL.com fantasy commercials, ESPN.com fantasy commercials. Sure. Like, to go and play the leagues on their site. So it's not, you know, there, there's just less variety now, I suppose. Well, there's there, <laughs> there's more of this. They have a bigger budget. They make more money. They, they certainly make, do. They make more money on these transactions, etc. So that's that's just how it works. But I saw a quote in Bloomberg that said that in week one, uh, both DraftKings and FanDuel combined were scheduled to take in about $60 million, which is twice that of all the Vegas uh, sports books. Yeah, it's pretty great. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's kind of come out of nowhere. Like, we played a little bit last year. I think it's been around for about four or five years. I think I signed up for an account in 2012 and never played. Really? Yeah. Hey, that's why when I logged in last year, I had money in the account that I was not expecting. <laughs> but well, that, hey. That's always nice, right? Yeah. I never won last year either. This is the first time I've won. You helped me pick out a good contest, though. I mean, honestly, like, let's look at it not from a is it legal standpoint, but how much do you like playing it itself? And uh, for me, I like playing Daily Fantasy because, especially now that lots of newbies are going to be playing, someone like you and me and people who are going to be listening to fantasy football podcasts are going to know a lot more about fantasy. They're going to have an advantage. Yeah, it's a different strategy. If you a know how bit, to put your money in right. It's a different strategy than the regular fantasy football because it's not a season-long thing. You can't grab someone because they might be good later. You have to pick someone who's good right now. So taking advantage of those players that are coming in for people, etc., that's that's very important right now. Right. Uh, you're right, though. Like, for example, the one we played was just a $2 tournament, and that's the first one I played this year. I think out of, like, 1,200 people, I was 160, and you were, like, 60. Yes. So uh, the track record is pretty good. If, if you can do that on a consistent basis, you can make money from this endeavor. The problem becomes um, when... Either the newbies drop off or your luck sort of runs cold and you decide to put more money into it, then it's like sitting at a roulette table. Um, yeah. So, anyway, I, I think it absolutely is gambling. I think it's stupid to think it's not gambling. Uh, and the rake on it is enormous. It's ridiculous for anyone to say that, that DFS is uh, such a skill-based game that it should not be considered gambling because it's exactly what it is. But, <laughs> but I don't have a problem with, the, with Congress maybe loosening its grips on that and saying we should allow this, that's fine. That's what that's the ruling that I would prefer. I don't want them to say this is not at all gambling and it's fine. Right, everything else is just to make up something, just to sense. pacify you know these big companies. Right, it would make more sense to just say, look, this isn't uh, something that you know can necessarily cause a problem. Doesn't break any laws. We're okay with it. Right, but we but we you know overall we just want more. Uh, people to play fantasy and more people to get engaged in the NFL, which is exactly what's happening. So I shouldn't be upset about it. We should be happy and, and welcome with open arms the DFS community. It's just the new generation of uh, you know people or a new game to play. Sure, um, and I'll probably play every week this year. Not you know you get hooked on that first one. Let me tell you. <laughs> So I'm like, hmm, do I enter two contests next week? Right. Am I going to change my lineups? And then it becomes a whole thing. So a certain uh, quarterback from Tennessee who's a rookie had a good opening week, 13 of 16 passes for 209 yards and four touchdowns. That's 209 yards and four touchdowns. So I'm thinking maybe it's time we start pronouncing his name correctly because uh, Roger Goodell, when he drafted, uh, not him, but when Tennessee drafted this particular guy from Oregon, um, he called him Marcus Mariotto. 
<laughs> and he was the he was the number one draft. Pick. Everyone knew that that was wrong. He was the number one draft pick, uh, or was he number one or number two? Number two, number two. So you you think that Roger Goodell would be able to at least memorize you know the first three players' names, perhaps? Not just that, but it was clear Marcus that he Mariotto. was going to be picked. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, everyone was talking about him. He was going to be involved most likely in like a big trade to Philadelphia, stuff like that. Yeah, it's not a surprise that he was taken. There. Oh God, imagine if he did land on the Eagles, right? So, uh, everyone has been pronouncing his name differently. We've got uh, Mariota, we've got uh, Mariota, we've got uh, a bunch of different things. We Originally, when we started uh, talking about him back in the preseason, there was a ESPN, I think, broadcast of a college game where his mom had called into a radio station or something uh, and, and told the people how to pronounce the name. Right. And we actually found a video clip of Marcus uh, after his first... Uh, Oregon game as a quarterback explaining to uh, the the field how to pronounce his name. Explaining to the press. But you have to listen very carefully because it is only slightly different from what you hear um, in general. Um, you know, just that that little nice little run he had, the 33-yard and, uh, you know, he made I mean, an second, unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable run. Your mom apparently called into ESPN with the proper pronunciation of your last name. What would you like us to call you? Um, Marcus, but the last name is Mariota. Um, I don't know if, if it's just for for the Polynesian culture, you always got to enunciate the vowels. And uh, so it's Mariota, um, but yeah. Right, so, so that's Mariota. Mariota. No, it's Mariota. Right. So the O is the thing that is, is the said. accent is on. So it's Mariota. Mariota. <laughs> So I, I'm, I'm always excited to hear everybody pronounce it because I'm not sure. I'm trying to do the best I can. I'm pretty sure it's Mariota. Look, the guy had an incredible game. He <laughs> deserves our respect. We will do our best to pronounce his name right. Absolutely. Right. So I mean, I pronounce my other words right, but I'll get his name right. <laughs> so let's move on to some impactful injuries in week one. So number one, quarterback, you have Derek Carr on Oakland. Oakland's offense is something that we talked about in the preseason and leading up to week one as uh, an offense that could be a little bit better than we than we have seen in the past couple of years. They've got Latavius Murray and Amari Cooper, and some other guys behind them. So it looks like he bruised his hand, but people thought it could have been a broken bone, it could have been a broken finger, something like that. Did he have one of those things where he uh, was throwing and hit a guy in the helmet? Uh, How did he hurt himself? I'd have to go back and look at the video. I've I've done too much research today. You know, the Oakland uh, Cincinnati game was one that Red Zone Channel stayed away from. Right. And it didn't show up very often. And they had an MRI on Monday of his hand. Didn't reveal any lasting damage. So bruised thumb is the official diagnosis there. They were actually looking into signing Christian Ponder, which would be a sign that Derek Carr would not be the starting quarterback there for at least one game if they're trying to get a veteran over Matt McGloin. The latest bit of noise, uh, not noise, well, I guess noise. It is mostly noise. The latest bit of noise says that uh, Derek Carr is on track again to start in Week 2 and seems a lot better. So if it is just a bruised thumb, the only thing to really be concerned about is that it's on his throwing hand. So as long as he's better than McGloin, which he probably should be, yeah. Unless he gets hit by a helicopter or something. Der- uh, non-primate <laughs> Derek Carr is better than... Non-primate? Uh, is that what you said? Well, if he doesn't have an opposable thumb, uh, <laughs> there's an issue there. That would clearly. be a problem, yeah. yeah. So so I think it will be Carr. So how does that bode uh, for like Latavius Murray, for Amari Cooper, based on their performance in the first game? 
And a lot of that did have to do with Matt McGloin going in and, and filling in a little bit for Carr. Sure. But do you think that their offense really will be better than it was in the past? Or do you think that we're just putting too much on an Oakland team that is just still struggling? I mean, they have a very talented running back and wide receiver. They need Derek Carr there to make this all work, though. But he's still building so blocks he's, a little bit. Right, but he's yeah. very important for their fantasy relevance this year. If Amari Cooper has to catch passes from Matt McLoyne all year, then he's not doing anything. No. Uh, so th- they need Derek Carr there, not only for the future, but for right now as well to get these other guys developed and for his own development. It's, you know, it's incredibly important that he plays for the future of their organization. Um, so in, in the short term, if he does play, I think that you can still count on uh, starting Cooper and Latavius Murray for a little while. Well, those guys are starts, sure. Right, and Derek Carr uh, may end up creeping into uh, starting every week in a two-quarterback league, but that's not happened yet. Well, I'm just asking you, you do you think their offense will actually turn into a good offense, or are we still just going to see them building, and it's going to be next year if they get there? I think that they can turn into a uh, middle-of-the-road offense. You know, they're clearly at the back end of the NFL right now. I think they can work their way up to the middle. Middle they of the road. They can get close to the Andy Dalton line. Got it. it. Okay. Josh McCown on Cleveland. I know two great teams in a row we're talking about here, the Raiders and the Browns, uh, had a concussion. Now I can it, just hear everyone logging off. It, it looked uh, like a really nice play. Actually, McCown was playing decently, and he dove into the end zone on a little bit of a, a rush trying to score. Uh, unfortunately, he did sustain a concussion on that dive, and it sidelined him for the time being, um, leaving Manziel <laughs> as as the guy who could be the, the quarterback for the Browns. Now, we saw Manziel go step in and see what he could do, and it wasn't very much. didn't look good at all. It looked a lot like what he did last year. Yeah. Which, which was like a couple of exciting plays, a drive that maybe looked promising, but for the most of the part, it was just no good. It was not so. Good he only at all. started two games last year. Um, he played, I think, most of this game, at least like two thirds of it, I would say. Uh, so you know, he started out really good, drove down the field, threw a long touchdown to Taylor Gabriel. Everything looked fine, but the Jets came back. The Jets' defense is going to be really good this year. So, uh, as far as Josh McCown goes, I think he's probably going to wind up starting if he comes back in the next week or two. But if he's out for a little while, then we may see Manziel all year. Yeah, well, it looks like he just has a concussion, so you would assume that he would come back pretty pretty soon after, yeah, unless I mean, there's some kind of lasting effects. And sure. gen- generally, at the beginning of the season, when there's not been any major incidents, it, it doesn't usually take that long to recover from one. But it, they're all know. they're all different. He's a little older of a quarterback, different. so we're not really sure, and we'll keep you posted. Um, in the meantime, I don't think they will start Manziel for the rest of the season because that's just not a good idea for them. So you may see them actually looking to get some kind of a veteran or, or trade for someone. Because they would have to start Manziel for the rest of the year. If if McCown goes down, they're starting Manziel for the rest of the year unless he gets injured or is just so bad that they have to pull him and basically move on from Johnny Manziel because he's the quarterback of the future there for them. No, he's not. Well, he's still sort of in that could be that role. He was a first round draft pick last year. Yes, that's that's the first thing you've said in the last minute or two that made any sense. That he was a first round draft pick? Yes. <laughs> I, I don't think that Manzel is the quarterback of the future. He's demonstrated time and time again that he can't do it. I'm not 
I'm not saying that he can or can't do it, Dave. I'm saying that the Cleveland Browns have invested in him and will start him for a whole season, given the opportunity to. They were going to do it last year, but he got injured. Yeah, well, we'll see. I, I agree. I don't think that he's the quarterback of anybody's future. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about Andre Ellington a little bit. Uh, so he has a grade one PCL sprain. That is not as bad as they thought it could be possibly. That means that he'll probably miss uh, all of September and most of October, but he will be coming back. Uh, in the meantime, we have Chris Johnson and David Johnson. Johnson and Johnson, right? That's the, what we're calling him. Right. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> Chris and David. And so uh, can you talk a little bit about, about Chris and David? Are you familiar with them? Uh, do you know which one of them will carry the load and which one uh, we should look for uh, to be the better back over this period of time? Uh, I tell you what, I know that Chris Johnson is probably going to get more carries, but I have been putting in waiver claims for David Johnson. I really like what I saw. It was a nice little screen pass, and he did all the work on that play. 55-yard touchdown last game. Uh, unfortunately, it was his only touch. So I don't know what they need to do to get him into the rotation, like what sort of game scenario they were looking for. But obviously, it being the first game, it was not going to be very much action. But with Andre Ellington down, i got to assume that he's going to now be in on closer to 50% of the snaps. Um, I don't know if I'm going to start him, but I'd like to, I'm really excited to see what he's going to be able to do next week, especially because they play the Bears. The Bears are going to stink. Uh, so Chris Johnson and David Johnson could have a decent game. Uh, if you need to replace Ellington, um, I you know, I would be okay with starting one of them. Yeah, I, I agree with your uh, with your analysis there. And you know, uh, David Johnson was a guy I drafted in a dynasty league because he was he was sort of billed as the bigger, faster, stronger version of our Andre Ellington. And it's a great running back for a Bruce Arians offense. Yeah, uh, because that's exactly who he wants. He wants a guy who can kind of do anything, uh, who can be the explosive uh, guy in the in the flats and on the sides, uh, but they can also be a between the tackles runner if you need it. And it seems like David Johnson could be that guy. But Arians has said time and time again that he doesn't want to take a rookie and have uh, him you know get all this pressure on his shoulders and and carry the load. So I think you're right. He'll he'll be fifty fifty at most. Um, but that doesn't matter because that's all Ellington ever was, and Ellington still got tons of fantasy points. The, you know, we kind of hyped up Carson Palmer and the Cardinals a little bit in the offseason, and they certainly delivered in week one. And the Saints aren't a slouch, and now they're going to play a proper slouch in the Chicago Bears. A proper slouch. A that's, proper slouch. That's great. <laughs> so, I, you know, for, for next week, go with uh, some Cardinals. Start maybe John Brown. I like Carson Palmer next week. Um, and, you know, Chris or David. Yeah. The, if you have to choose between the two, um, I guess you would go with Chris Johnson, but the odds are you're not going to have both of them on your team. Well, it's just the, you know, risk-reward kind of thing, right? So Exactly. Higher ceiling with David uh, Johnson, I would assume, uh, because Chris Johnson could certainly wind up just at three yards per carry like he does all the freaking time. Yeah, he still looks like a good back, though. He he uh, he always seems to come into the new season, regardless of what team he's on, with a little bit of explosiveness, and it's always fun to watch. Um, let's see, we've got uh, C.J. Anderson. Uh, C.J. Anderson from Denver, of course. And his injury is a little hard to figure out. So it looked like, you know, maybe he just had some sort of a foot injury or like a bruised heel or, or something like that. But I'm hearing whispers of turf toe and other things like that. 
from the the dregs of fantasy football society. Turf toe is kind of a nasty word. Well, there's a lot of injuries like that for running backs like CJ that need to be really mobile. And if he's not able to cut and break on that foot, on that toe, um, you know, on that heel, whatever's wrong with him, then he's not going to be a very efficient running back. And in that offense, they will go to Ronnie Hillman instead of him. So you drafted C.J. Anderson to be a top 10 running back on your team. In yes, some I cases, did. like in our rankings, we have him as a top 5 running back. So, Jason, I mean, you're, so you're in the situation. I have oh, C.J. Yeah. on a team as well. I would suggest you get Ronnie Hillman immediately because if C.J. doesn't play, it'll be Hillman is a top 10 back and not C.J. Anderson. Let me see. This is, this is such a dangerous time when we're like half obliged to talk about our waiver picks. But uh, in that league, I definitely um, have claims in uh, for him. So the point is, yeah, I mean, you remember last year where, where there was a whole bunch of running backs on Denver, and the one that won the job was C.J. Anderson, who was maybe the most unlikely suspect. And whoever gets the job is going to be a top 15 running back. So if Anderson has lingering injury problems throughout the year because of whatever happened here, then Ronnie Hillman is much more likely to carry the load. But now, are you starting Ronnie Hillman on Thursday night? If C.J. Anderson isn't playing. If he's not playing? Absolutely. Yeah, if he's not playing, sure. Otherwise, it's just a, a committee and we don't know yet. And that's a tough one. Then I would rather start maybe someone from another team, etc. But it's a situation you need to really watch closely. Um, if Anderson does play and he still has problems then it's it's somewhere you'd want to go, I think, somewhere else. If you could maybe trade him off right now, I mean, that might be something you should look into. Um, <laughs> uh, it's hard to trade uh, an injured player. Well, some people don't know they're injured. Some people don't follow. That's why people listen to podcasts like this. That's why people run podcasts like we do. If you want to pull a cheap one like that, then go for it. How is how is that a cheap one? <laughs> Look, this is this is money, right? We're not playing for free. We're not playing for uh, for bragging rights for our friends. I'm not saying you got to tell them, but uh, you know, that's fine. If you had the opportunity to trade uh, a guy like C.J. Anderson or Des Bryant, who I'm about to talk about, um, especially if I had Des Bryant, I don't think I'd be offering him for anything that like resembled like his previous value. If I was trying to trade him. Well, I mean, that's interesting. So let's talk about Dez then. Uh, he's suffering from this Jones fracture, which is the same injury that kept uh, Kevin Durant in the NBA, Marvin Jones, out for basically a whole season. And he first said four to six weeks, right? That's what Jerry Jones said. Not that he's a doctor or knows anything about <laughs> medicine. And then uh, Des Bryant was tweeting from the hospital, and he was saying it'll take six to eight weeks, probably six weeks at least. But we know from listening to actual medical professionals talk about this particular injury, which is the fifth, uh, what is it, meta, metatarsal, something like that, which is basically the pinky toe. Okay. Um, if if that is the problem, and this particular fracture, which is a, a like broken in a particular way for Dez, a situation that has ended other players' careers, in fact, especially if they're bigger guys, um, we're thinking, and a lot of those doctors that I uh, mentioned beforehand on Twitter, on you know uh, different websites, have told us that eight weeks is probably more reasonable. And if it's not eight weeks, if he's not able to play at that point, he probably won't play for the whole season. So, oh. so to think that you know, to so go, the earliest you're getting him back is week nine. Yeah, to go from four weeks to nine to maybe never. Those people that have Des Bryant, we feel for you. But again. I mean, you could try to trade him because some people might just see that four to six weeks and say, he's going to be back. And so you take those short-sighted people who don't necessarily have the concept of, this could be more 
You know, this could yeah. be worse. And then you trade him, Des Bryant, and, and guess what? They get a bunch of nothing on their bench, and you get value now. Don't you think that's something that you would do if you had uh, taken him? I know you didn't take him anywhere. Just try and trade him immediately. Why would you not do that, right? Because what else is he doing for you? Yeah, I mean, you did that, uh, and it really worked out for you one year. Um, I did it one year, too. Uh, it, it's happened. I don't I just... Uh, I usually, when there's an injury, I just write him off. So it would be, of course, good to let someone else take that risk. You can't write off Des Bryant. You can't write off a... No, no, I wouldn't, like, drop Des Bryant. No, I'm not saying drop. You can't... You can't write off a number one or number two round pick if you can still get value for them now. If we yeah, sit, that would be the exception. If we sit here and say you know it's going to be eight weeks till he plays, then that's like approaching the fantasy playoffs almost. You can't do that. You can't. He does nothing for you. You not having him on your team is makes your team terrible, and you're not going to win. Right. Someone would just hold him on their bench in hopes that he can. Uh, you know, come back right around playoff time. Right. Otherwise, you end up just getting someone on the waiver wire. And the best you could possibly hope for at this point would be a guy like James Jones. Um, that's probably the best you could possibly hope for. Well, I think that Terrence Williams is still owned in a surprising amount of leagues, or still available in a surprising amount of leagues. Um, so I would go with him. No, he's owning 50% of leagues in Yahoo. And if you're in a smart league, Terrence Williams is already owned by everyone. That's, I like that you said that. Thank you. Yeah. Because I was talking to someone today in a league that I don't consider very smart, and I, I learned that Terrence Williams was a free agent. Because they probably don't know who the player's name is. Exactly. I mean, look. If, it's like uh, Terrence Williams. He's not that good. I will always say take advantage of your opponents, right? And if, if you can pick up Terrence Williams and he's not available, yes, please pick him up. Yeah. But if you're playing in a league where he is available, you should probably not play in that league. I mean, <laughs> let's be honest. You're either just taking their money or you're an idiot too. I'm sorry if someone you know here uh, who's listening has that situation. And maybe your team is just stacked and everybody else Well, is. I just like the fact that I have Terrence Williams on two teams. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to at least eight weeks of being the number one receiver in Dallas. Well, and that is going to help him. But it will also hurt him, of course, because now he's going to go against the number one in the defense. And uh, you don't. Well, it's going to overall elevate him. And you don't have Des to you know open up those routes, mm-hmm. and uh, you're going to have other guys taking those carries too. Uh, sure, there's going to be a lot more Cole Beasley. You're going to see at least as much Jason Witten. Well, obviously more Jason Witten. Uh, Gavin, Gavin Escobar, who's their second tight end, and then also Lance Dunbar, who is uh, like he caught the a lot of passes out of the backfield in that comeback. Yeah, he's the receiving back. So I mean, you may just get it spread around. You're right. Terrence Williams will get more work, but I'm just a little worried that you know maybe he can't handle the WR1 duties. However, there's there is no minus to having Terrence Williams on your team. That's not what I'm trying to infer. In fact, I know uh, one person that we know uh, who has Des Bryant on their team who got injured also has Terrence Williams, and so yeah, that's great. That's like incidental handcuffing. Yeah, exactly. Um, so. Uh, back to what we were talking about. I, whether you think it's it's good or bad to be offering a guy like this, I, I certainly would not be intending on offering Des Bryant to trade in the hopes that they didn't think he was injured. I would just want to make the most of my situation that I possibly could. That that I can fully get behind. <laughs> 
But I'll, I'll be honest with you. I would screw if they didn't know. I like, would screw I'm not someone gonna, over. Yes. I'm not gonna like reach out. And I have like, no hey, problem screwing someone I guess over. Guess it depends on who it is. <laughs> I'm really good friends with a lot of guys in my leagues. Well, if so they, like if you they know, don't know what's going on. You know, like if Troy <laughs> didn't know, I probably wouldn't say anything. But no, I'm kidding. I don't know. Well, Troy's a writer for Drink Five. For for any of you that might not be aware of and that, he's in a lot of my fantasy leagues. And so Jason is saying that he wouldn't risk the friendship over a uh, little Des Bryant action. Right, right. <laughs> uh, T. Y. Hilton looks like he has a badly bruised knee, but but from what I heard, this knee badly bruised means like yellow, green, painful to the touch, like super high. Uh, um, oh yeah, when swelling. an NFL player is like, I got a bad bruise. It's not like a boo boo. Yeah, so it, it could be a few days or a few weeks. We don't really know. We're they call not them sure. contusions because they're so bad. If he, well, they're the same. That means the same thing. That's just the medical terminology for a bruise. I know, but they're serious about it. Is my point. All right. Well, your doctor just doesn't want to write bruise. It seems too pedestrian. <laughs> uh, should Hilton not play in week two, then Dante Moncrief looks like he'll be the guy who fills his shoes. Immediately starts as a wide receiver two or three on that offense. Now let's talk a little bit about that offense. So. Andrew Luck did not perform up to spec. Uh, neither did Andre Johnson. You can say that again. Neither did Frank Gore. And a lot of that stems not from those players themselves, but from the offensive line. So what we saw w- was that when uh, Andrew Luck was not being hurried, not being blitzed, he had really good stats. And when he was being blitzed on those plays, he threw the interceptions. He didn't do the yeah. He was terrible on blitzes. I saw that stat in the past couple years. He's been good when he's been pressured. So I don't know if this is a case of nerves. I don't know if the offensive line is worse than it's ever been. Maybe it's both. Um, Maybe he has nerves because the offensive line is as as bad as it's ever been. Yeah. I mean, I would. Uh, You know, Andrew Luck. I think got hit more than any other quarterback last year. Uh, if that happens again, it doesn't bode well for his, uh, you know, for his long-lasting um, tenure in the NFL. Right. I'm just uh, marveling and taking advantage of newbies. You're right. You got a good point. And I was preaching that earlier with the FanDuel. What's that? Well, Matt uh, in the uh, chat room was mad that he couldn't get back into a league that he used to play in because he moved away uh, because everyone in the league is terrible. And he would just clean up. Well, it was, I mean, it, the fun is kind of gone in those situations, right? I mean, I, I'm sure it's great to make some money. It's fun taking money, too. Yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, how, how long uh, can you just win the leagues until uh, someone until you get kicked out or, or something like that? Until you get kicked out. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty nice to be kicked out because you've won every single year. That's, they that's just name cool. the trophy after you and move on. <laughs> So Dante Moncrief looks like the guy, not Philip Dorsett, um, to the chagrin of some people. And I think that T.Y. Hilton has a good chance of suiting up, but I don't think it's going to be in week two. Personally, uh, from what I've heard about this injury, it just seems like he's not going to be 100%. And since their team is not running uh, all systems go right now, they probably don't want to put someone in there at that cog that's not doing um, as well as they could. So I would not be surprised to see Moncrief in there. And if he does play... He's a guy that could be so good, um, especially uh, considering that they, they did play Buffalo their first week, and Buffalo has one of the best defenses in the NFL. And I don't think that uh, uh, Indianapolis is playing a bad defense this week, though. Do you know who they're up against? Uh, the Colts play... Damn it, I knew this, and now I don't. Um, I'm going to... No, I'm not even going to guess. They play the Jets. They play at night. Yeah, they play on Monday night. And so the Jets don't have a slouch of a defense either, believe me. 
uh, I think it, it could be pretty dangerous for them, right? Uh, yeah, I think that the Colts will be more ready than they were last week. And that the Jets are not going to be as good as the Bills either. I like your kind of sweeping uh, proclamations here. Well, we don't have time to get into everything in minutia. After you. Minute one, sir. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, Deshaun Jackson uh, looks like he's going to be missing a little bit from this hamstring issue. What I've heard is it'll be a couple of weeks. That has not been uh, officially declared, but it's more than likely that they're going to let him rest, especially because Washington doesn't is not in danger of doing particularly well this season. So there's no reason for them to take Deshaun Jackson. There's no danger. Right. So there's no reason to take Deshaun Jackson and uh, put him in more... Uh, injury risk. So, who Very else true. do you have on the team? You have Pierre Garçon and Jordan Reed and Andre Roberts. The only person that's really worth playing is probably Jordan Reed, who will literally soak up every single target on that team. And Pierre Garçon sounds like he'll be good, but he won't be because he hasn't ever been after that first year where he, he did exceptionally Yeah, but in well. that year, he was the only guy there. Mm-hmm. So, don't you think that he could wind up being... Uh, catching more than 80 balls, having numbers kind of like Jarvis Landry last year. I don't. 84 catches, like nine, you know, 800 yards. I don't think so. I mean, so, he, he's been on the downslope, right? Yeah. So what, what, what tells you that Pierre Garçon could come back and have a big year? I mean, he's a the player. The absence of Deshaun Jackson. Well, Jordan Reed is the guy that's stopping up all the targets. And Andre Roberts is a younger guy. Pierre Garçon's been around for a while, and he only had that one year of, of really good... Uh, you know, good stuff. I, I just don't see it happening, I guess. I mean, are you going to bet on Pierre Garçon? I'm not going to pick him up anywhere. And, and he's probably already owned on teams that are never going to play him. I just, I don't see that being a good play ever. I don't know. That like, was That's so 2013, man. I could see this being a PPR start. I could definitely see him being a PPR start. Like a PPR flex start. I don't want to be anywhere around the Redskins whatsoever. Uh, but if I am, I'm with Jordan Reed. Well, you it. know, we've always talked about how you should be taking receivers on teams that are going to be playing in garbage time. We have talked about the fact that those receivers tend to do well at the end of the games and their stats are inflated because of it. And that's not, sure. a, that's not a problem. So it's like Cecil Shorts when he was on Jacksonville. Cheers. right? He would, give you, he would give you some pretty good games because at the very end he'd score a touchdown and get four receptions. But do you really think Pierre Garçon is going to be a startable wide receiver in this league this year? I just don't. I mean, we don't have to agree. No, I understand. I do. Okay, so Jason I, well, says, okay, wait. take Garçon. If, <laughs> if there's no Deshaun Jackson, I do think that. And we've sort of we prefaced all that by saying they are not going to rush Deshaun Jackson back because they're not any good. So what's startable for you? I mean, is he consistent? Is he a WR3? I think he's like low WR3. Like, you may not start him every week. You may have a league with flex positions. Uh, PPR leagues, I think he'll be better in. The guy is a target whore. I mean, last year when he didn't do that well, he had 105 targets. His problem is that he doesn't catch the ball at a high enough rate. He just doesn't do anything with it. No, he doesn't. That's why I don't like those players. His, I mean, his gonna... career yards per catch has been always like low, like 11, 12, that's it. If I'm going to take someone right um, and, and play them at all, they need to be someone that actually does well. Look, there's two different kinds of players you look for on the waiver wire. You're either looking for, um, I, I have one opening in my lineup and I need to fill it with someone with really high potential, or my lineup has been devastated by injury, I need to rebuild my team, and I need some like consistent players. 
That's where Pierre Garçon is. I'm not sure Pierre Garçon is a consistent player. I mean, look, in leagues where you had Jordy Nelson and Des Bryant and, you know, Kelvin Benjamin and all the receivers that have gone down, Pierre Garçon is a fine replacement that, like, you're not going to be happy, but you can start him every week and have a reasonable floor with him. Yuck. Well, I guess. I would be willing to bet on rest of the season Pierre Garçon. Well, that's silly, considering the fact that Deshaun Jackson will be coming back in a few weeks, and you yourself said that you would never play him if you had Deshaun Jackson still starting on the team. If Deshaun Jackson comes back, then yeah, you don't start him anymore. Well, he has a hamstring. Of course he's coming back. Yeah, but I mean, what if they wait like six weeks and then he tweaks it again? They're not going to wait six weeks. I mean, is they this might one wait of, four. Is this one of those things where they just they just don't start anyone anymore because the Redskins have no chance of winning? So they're, they're like, just like, we're going to hold our, we're going to fold early. <laughs> yeah, we're just done. We're our cards are on the table. You guys can play our scout team, and that's it. <laughs> would they everyone get, gets a win? Would they get in trouble if they did that? Would the NFL like prosecute them or something? Uh, yeah, it would seem like they're tanking <laughs> the season in order to get a number one draft pick. So they would uh, be disciplined in some way, I'm sure. Huh. All right, well, so you, you like Pierre Garçon. I don't. Let's leave it at that. Uh, tight ends, Delaney Walker, Tennessee. He has a splint on his right hand, and he had a cast, like a sort of a walking cast when he – not a walking cast because he's not walking on his hands. Um, he, <laughs> For some reason, he's still walking on his hands even though he has a cast on. Anyway, it's It really a, doesn't make any sense. Not a good sign. He's a right-handed catching tight end who has a splint on his right hand. Uh, but it doesn't look like he actually got a major injury. So he'll probably be on the field in week two. If not, you've it's like got... one of those walking boots they wear just to act like they're injured. Yeah, it's stylish, man. It's stylish. It's like wearing glasses when you don't have a problem with your eyes. Uh, I hate those people, Anthony. Don't hate. Don't hate. I hate them. Anthony no, Fasano could fill in if he doesn't play. If Delaney Walker doesn't play, but Fasano's not really a startable presence in the NFL. So um, Kendall Wright gets the biggest boost out of that, and you saw how well Kendall Wright did. He'll do even better if there is no Delaney Walker because that's the dump-off target is Kendall Wright and Delaney Walker for uh, for Marcus Mariota. Right. Let me say that again. Mariota. Marcus Mariota. 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 I, I closed the video, otherwise we'd be playing it again. No, it's Mariota. Mariota. Yes. Okay, so uh, as we were saying, there were a lot of injuries. It's very important that you watch out for those, of course, and then make sure you find out which of those guys are going to be filling in from where. Uh, tonight is the waiver wire for most leagues. Really quickly, because a lot of players, uh, people don't play in two quarterback leagues, uh, two guys that could be valuable in Dynasty or two QB leagues, Tyrod Taylor from Buffalo had a good performance, 14 for 19, 195 yards and a touchdown, 41 yards on the ground. If, as long as we're pronouncing names right, it's according to Rich Eisen, it's Tyrod. Yes, Tyrod Taylor. <laughs> uh, Alex Smith, Kansas City. Uh, he's one of those guys that has occasional good games but does not put up uh, like surprisingly good stats throughout the year. He's sort of a game manager kind of a quarterback. Now, the reason he did really well in this game, which is 22 <coughs> of 33 passes for 243 yards and three touchdowns is because of Travis Kelsey, who had two touchdowns and a lot of yards. Jamal Charles is also a passing target. Alex Smith gets some of his passing touchdowns from there. Uh, keep in mind that he has still not passed a touchdown to a wide receiver since uh, 2013. This is true. And uh, I know that you think that Jeremy Macklin will be a, re a really good asset on the team, and he did prove to uh, get targeted a lot, and some of them even in the end zone. However, none of them actually ended up 
uh, really hitting. So unfortunately, at this time, I still must say that Alex Smith is not someone that I would pick up in most leagues. Uh, but if it is a two-quarterback league, you kind of kind of ride the success of Travis Kelsey and also go on the fact that they have a good wide receiver and they have Jamal Charles. So Alex Smith could have his best year in a long time. Um, other players to consider are Andy Dalton, owned in 26% of leagues, and Nick Foles, owned in 13% of leagues. Both those guys should have good years. They're throwing and spreading the ball around. Andy Dalton has Tyler Eifert, who also had a, an incredible uh, week one. And uh, Nick Foles doesn't have a particular receiver. He's just sort of passing it everywhere on that offense. Jared Cook, actually. There is no particular receiver there. Yeah, Jared Cook actually ended up, um, I think, with a touchdown or two, which was pretty impressive. <laughs> Uh, because well, they had to come back and win that game. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's, he's there was points to be had. He's never really a consistent tight end, so that's 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 kind of crazy. Maybe he could be this year. And I believe that uh, there was one particular player on St. Louis who sort of did above and beyond what he was supposed to. Um, no, there's not. So <laughs> <laughs> that hasn't happened since Marshall Falk was on the team. Just kidding. <laughs> um, and running backs, D'Angelo Williams. So uh, why don't you chat about him? He has one game of uh, lead back duties left. Right. So D'Angelo Williams did have a pretty good game on uh, Thursday night um, in New England. He had 127 yards on 21 carries. Did not find the end zone, but the Steelers did kind of struggle to score touchdowns. I don't think that that's something you're going to need to worry about long term. Now, D'Angelo Williams is a guy to start this week. Um, if he's not owned in your league, he's only owned in 37% of uh, Yahoo leagues, apparently. He's uh, a guy that you can start in place of Andre Ellington. Um, who are the other guys that went down this week? Um, well, C.J. Well, Anderson. Yeah, Andre Ellington, or yeah, possibly C.J. Anderson. Totally fine with that. They are playing the 49ers, who had a good week last week, but they were a, a really fired-up team against a really young offense. The Steelers' offense is led by Ben Roethlisberger. He is not going to be fooled by any of that crap. Plus, I do believe it is the Steelers' home opener. Dave, am I right? Yeah. So, D'Angelo Williams, yeah. good start this week. Don't worry about them playing San Francisco. If I am wrong again about San Francisco, then I will stop being so down on them. Will you? <laughs> sure. I mean, they proved me right two weeks in a row. Fine. You know, I'll, I'll start Carlos Hyde in a DFS league in week three. Well, the moment you start him, he'll, he'll just go downhill then, probably. That's my secret plan, Dave. <laughs> I want to be right all along. But yeah, you've got D. Wills out there. You can start him one more time. And the 49ers defense, like Jason said, as much as it might have played the part, I don't believe that it is where it was last year and the year prior. Um, I just don't think it is. I think they looked good against a sort of a fledgling offense, like you said. So I'm with you. Uh, Chris Johnson... Arizona, we talked about him a little bit earlier. He is someone that is going to be available on most waiver wires. And Andre Ellington is, well, he's gone. So that makes Chris Johnson the guy there. If you believe in David Johnson, then, I mean, I guess that's something that you can, you can do. Personally, I think it's going to take him half the season to get to the point where he's really has an established role. I agree. I think that Chris Johnson would have to be remarkably ineffective yeah. for David Johnson to kind of take over. So Chris Johnson is your spot start but pickup. as we said about David Johnson earlier, 
he's still going to be in on half the snaps. He's going to get a lot more work than one catch. Yeah, he's Antone Smith for this year. Oh, I like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what do we say according to his one uh, play? He is 11.5 points per touch. 11.5 points per touch. That's, that's good for anybody. That's better than Martavis Bryant. Uh, we should also consider Bishop Sankey and Danny Woodhead. Now, those guys are owned in almost every league, so I'm not going to go into them, except to say that if they're not owned in your league, you need to pick them up right now. Wide receivers, Dante Moncrief. Uh, we talked about him filling in for T.Y. Hilton. If he does, you must play him. James Jones, he has uh, a rapport with Aaron Rodgers that is something that cannot be bought. It must be earned. Actually, it, the Packers oh. did just buy it from New York. <laughs> well, well, unfortunately for them, they they uh, they cheaped out on that contract the first time it came around. Uh, now That's it's a Packers lot cheaper. Style. Fair enough. But people were talking about uh, Devonte Adams being amazing. They were talking about Ty ba- uh, not Ty Bench is it Ty, ben- Ty Montgomery, Ty Montgomery, and Montgomery Jeff, Jeff Janis, Janis. Uh, all these guys that that could fill in. None of them really have that relationship with Rodgers that James Jones does. Right. Montgomery and Janice, neither of them had a reception. The moment that James Jones came back, he was now exactly in that same old relationship with the same offense. They didn't have to learn anything or talk to each other. They suddenly were... He still hasn't talked to Andrew Ro- Aaron Rodgers. They haven't said hi. They haven't had a beer yet. They're doing this on purpose. Right. <laughs> They're just like, you know, you run there... You know, but the, without saying anything. Now, I know James Jones is getting older. I know he didn't do that much on Oakland, and he didn't do anything on the Giants. But it doesn't matter I don't think because he played any regular when, season games for the Giants. When players go back to uh, Aaron Rodgers, when players go back to the their teams that they were previously on and previously built relationships in, they tend to do really well. And that's what we're going to see from you know Revis this year on defense. That's what we're seeing from. Uh, a lot of players, and James Jones is just one of those. So I, I expect him to score seven or eight touchdowns. Um, he conti- already has two. Continue to you know perform well and be pretty much that guy that everyone thought Devontae Adams was going to be. James Jones is going to be one of those guys that like breaks the record for most touchdowns against the Bears or something like that. <laughs> That's that couldn't be that hard. Uh, Terrence Williams, we talked about him earlier too. You you should get him if he's available. He's probably not. Um, but if you have him on your team, you have to start him every week now because he he's like the Des Bryant Jr. of that team. His targets will increase, and so will his production. Uh, Percy Harvin, interesting work in week one. Uh, caught five targets, all of them. Now, I don't expect to see that level of efficiency on a week-to-week basis. Also, Sammy Watkins was held to nothing because he was being shadowed, uh, and Buffalo's Play calling didn't really include that him. That was the only thing the Colts did right, was shut down Sammy Watkins. Yeah. But I do not see a future in which Percy Harvin is a startable every week wide receiver. So this is going to be one of those things that happens every three games, Percy Harvin has a good game. And that's not something that you can count on. So I, I would be wary about picking him up. Tyler Lockett, who's a rookie for Seattle, ran back a touchdown, looked explosive. He didn't play a whole lot. But he, he looks like a better receiver than anyone else there except for Jimmy Graham. So I would not be surprised if uh, Seattle continues to try to exploit his strengths. And he is a good pickup in every league for me because Seattle is the best team in the NFL, even though they lost to St. Louis. I understand that's hard to grasp, but I still think they are. Okay. Uh, I will wait a few games before I go one way or the other on that one. Uh, tight ends, we have Heath Miller. 
Heath Miller is a tight end from way back that has always done very well when he needs to. Heath. The Steelers had uh, playmakers like Martavis Bryant and Antonio Brown before that, Mike Wallace. Over the years, Heath Miller has had a little bit less of a role, uh, but this year his role is going to pick up, at least until Martavis Bryant comes back from suspension, because Roethlisberger is looking for trusted red zone targets, and he's looking for guys that can move the chains. Marcus Wheaton is a relationship that's still developing between him and Ben, and so Heath Miller is a guy who caught 8 of 11 targets for 84 yards, and he's definitely a guy who can get a touchdown because he'll be one of the tallest guys out there. And he's a guy that will be consistently targeted. So PPR uh, or even in regular leagues, if you don't have a, one of those great tight ends, he is a guy that will be putting up, you know, let's bottom of the top 10 stats every week. I like him for sure again this week. I think when uh, Le'Veon Bell comes back, that may uh, take some work away from him. Well, Dean Wills has done almost the same thing that Bell does in that offense. Uh, well, I mean, 127 yards and zero touchdowns is like Le'Veon Bell's floor. Well, they played New England and they lost their ass, so, you know. Yeah. Well, they didn't. They only lost by a touchdown. They only, in the end, it was only by a touchdown. Let's be honest. It didn't quite seem that close the whole game. But some made Scobie field goals instead of misses. You know, it's a different game. The thing about that game is that they they sliced through the New England defense like nothing, and New England sliced through the Pittsburgh defense like nothing. Oh yeah, neither of those teams are going to have trouble moving the ball this year. No, uh, Ladarius Green owned in twenty percent of leagues. Now this is a, a good tight end pick. Uh, this is a, a guy that while Antonio Gates is gone, which is going to be three more weeks. Uh, he is going to be getting the majority of those passes along with Stevie Johnson and Keenan Allen. Um, I kind of like that offense. I, I, I love how they're moving it. I like Woodhead. I like that everyone who revolves around Rivers is a guy that moves in and out of the slot. Like There's constantly just sort of like uh, uh, receivers in this big circle around Rivers just like getting open. <laughs> it's amazing. All Philip Rivers has to do is like learn the new number that's in the slot. Hey, Stevie Johnson looks really good. Keenan Allen looks like yeah. a return to Keenan Allen. Danny Woodhead gets more oh, snaps. Keenan Allen had 16 receptions. Yeah, that was fabulous. Keenan Allen gets more snap. I mean, uh, Danny Woodhead is getting more snaps than Melvin Gordon. I don't know that that'll be the case at the end of the year, but for right now, that's fun. So, well, right this now, this is what we've told you guys all off season: pick up Danny Woodhead, start him for a week or two, and then trade his ass. Because Melvin Gordon will start getting phased into the offense. That's more. not exactly what we said. We said buy, you know, get the guys if you can who are going to perform early and trade them before you know if you can see. Uh, but I don't a decline coming. You in, need to trade them. in our rankings. We don't see a decline coming. We're saying he's going to be a top fifteen running back, top twenty running back for the entire year. If he remains at the same level of work, no. If he remains at the same level of work, he'll be a top ten running back. He, That's he wasn't even happen. top 10 this week, Dave. He had 20 points. How was he not top 10? Uh, the list I was looking at yesterday said he was like 12. Okay, fair enough. Whatever. If he's at the low level, that's fine. The point is, uh, Danny Woodhead, he's not going anywhere. In 2013, he had a ton of receptions and touchdowns and snaps. It doesn't look like oh, they... Yeah, he's in the top. It doesn't look like they trust Melvin Gordon. Now, I, if you can get something amazing for him, maybe go for it, but... You don't trade Danny Woodhead now. This is this is why you got him at a low value, right? You're talking about players like Steve Smith, older guys, or, or guys like Ladarius Green that perform well and then drop off. Or um, well, that one's an obvious why he'll be dropping off. Well, who cares? The people don't notice. If Ladarius Green does well for two weeks, you trade him. 
let somebody else deal with the with the fallout when Antonio Gates comes back. Do you, do you not like this sort of cutthroat trading business? No, I just assume that I don't know. I I just assume that the people I'm playing with are going to know these things. I Why guess. would they know them? Because they pay. They're, they're also playing fantasy football in in every league attention. that we're in. Even though we're in a lot of really good leagues, there are uh, expert league asides, the ones where people are are actually doing this for a living. Uh, there are at least three or four people in those leagues that are not paying as much attention as you think they are. You know, they may be watching a football game or two. They don't know when people are injured, when they're coming back. You know, all that stuff. The only stuff they know is whatever comes up in the little box uh, when you click on the thing next to the player's icon in Yahoo. <laughs> <laughs> now, granted, I, I I'm not suggesting that you guys all go out and just try to trade a bunch of injured players. It's going to make you feel bad when you're sleeping. At well, night. you got to remember that if you do that too often, you're going to develop a reputation in your league, and no one's going to want to trade with you. Yeah, you'll have the stigma. Right. Uh, uh, just a quick kicker. Brandon McManus did really well. McManus. And remember, he's the guy where they, they got rid of uh, Connor Barth for, and apparently it was a good idea. Two 50-plus yarders, a 40-plus and a 30-plus. Um, of course, it's always great to be kicking in Denver, but I don't yeah. see any any reason why they won't continue to be kicking the ball. They always give the kicker there a chance to just go for it. Um, I, I think it's it's good news. Good guy to pick up. Uh, yeah. Keep going with him. Speaking of Denver, back to C.J. Anderson for a second. He was upgraded to a limited practice. So um, That doesn't tell us anything. Well, I mean, he'll probably end up playing. That's my guess. Uh, if you have a limited practice, that that's nothing. I mean, you have to literally be... Uh, Practicing in full in order to be playing, right? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're a game time decision. And if you're a game time decision on Thursday night, you might as well not, not play. Work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's Tuesday. <laughs> Tomorrow's Wednesday. He had a limited practice. They won't practice tomorrow. I, I don't think he's going to play personally. But I, I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll see. We'll check the news. We'll let you guys know. And then, of course, they have to hand in a new injury report tomorrow, right? Because tomorrow's Wednesday. Wednesday is when injury reports come out. Although I do believe that the Thursday night teams have to turn it in on Tuesday. But I'm not positive on that. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, that's something I didn't know. Uh, Baltimore Ravens, I think, are a pretty good defense to keep your eye on for this particular week. Uh, it's because they are going to go up against Oakland. And uh, I, I think that, uh, that Oakland, even if they get Derek Carr back, they are still a team with major issues offensively. And we talked about this earlier. We talked about this in the preseason. We both think they are on an upward, uh, you know, uh, upward path. But they're not there yet, and they may not be there all this season. So they're still going to be throwing interceptions. They're still going to be running the wrong routes. They're still going to be. De- <laughs> they're going to be developing as a team. Yes. And when you're developing as a team, the Ravens are a defense that can really capitalize on that kind of stuff. The Ravens shut down Peyton Manning in Week One. Good luck again in Week Two. Exactly. Freaking David Carr. Now keep in mind, uh, uh, Terrell Suggs is out for the season now, and that is definitely a loss for them. A huge loss, absolutely. But their defense is great, and it's scrappy, and it's going to to take advantage of their Carr and the Raiders. Yeah. You know, the Ravens had the worst quarterback in week one between yeah. them and the Raiders. Yeah, he's one of my uh, uh, dumpster dive picks. Oh, all right. So Joe Flacco and Peyton Manning are the two quarterbacks that I have as the dumpster divers. Now, I don't know if I'm in love with that name. You know, I'm imagining there being a sound bite of like... Dumpster dive sounds like like, like <laughs> they took a dive into the dumpster or like you're plucking, plucking them off of the garbage heap. No, they went into the dumpster. They went into the dumpster. Yeah. 
Uh, but I'm not. They're I'm not, dumpster divers. Uh, well, I guess dumpster diving. You know, Flacco and Manning put on their dumpster dive suits and they jumped in there. They got some rotten bananas and and they hung out and talked mm. to each other. About, it reminds me of the scene from Daredevil about how bad their offenses were underperforming. So, uh, yeah, that's a great great show on Netflix. If you guys haven't seen it, check out <laughs> check out our TV reviews on uh, on Drink Five about that. Um, so Joe Flacco, Peyton Manning, both seriously underperforming. So what is your take on those guys? Uh, give me your Joe Flacco in in fifteen seconds. Joe Flacco's never been that great. I mean, I don't know if you can even compare the amount of underachieving he did to the amount of underachieving that Peyton Manning did. Um, Joe Flacco, I expect him to have a couple games a year where he throws for under 150 yards and no touchdowns. Like, he's going to have another game like that this year. Peyton Manning doesn't have games like that. There seems to be a split, like, set of people now where, like, half of the people think that Peyton Manning is just completely done and that he's got nothing left and that he's injured and that he probably shouldn't even be playing right now. And I think the other half of the people just see... Peyton Manning, the field general, the guy who, you know, in their minds is one of the best quarterbacks ever to play. And they just assume, like, why, you know, he'll just figure it out. It'll only take a minute. Um, And I I tend to lean towards that latter group. I'm thinking, hey, you know, the Broncos next week, they get to play the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs aren't that great. They almost had Ryan Mallett come come back on them. So they're good. They're not great. Peyton Manning uh, should have an easier time than he did against Baltimore. The Broncos' defense is great, so Peyton Manning doesn't have much pressure on him right now. Uh, If he can't pull it off, then I think I need to switch to the other group where I say that probably Peyton Manning's done. You have to be careful with that stuff because it's like Tom Brady from last season where we just thought Tom Brady, (laughs) Tom Brady, Tom Brady. Yeah, it went on for about five weeks, six weeks maybe. But for those teams, like if they change their receivers or if they change their... You know, their route running or if they change their They could coaching. change their protection scheme, which most of us would never even notice. Yeah, and it screws them up for a and little while. And it could while. fix everything. So, you know, especially for, for Manning, he's in a new system now. He's got a new coach. It's uh, There's a lot of new stuff going on around him. Um, so I'm with you. I think it's a 50-50 thing. He's either going to be a top-five quarterback or he's going to be out of the league and Brock Eisweiler will be slinging it at the end of the season. Um, Brock Eisweiler. I think it's... A lot more uh, likely that Peyton Manning will pick it up, but Kansas City is one of the best defenses still. Uh, you know, so I just I don't know that, that he's going to immediately go up to scoring twenty points, but it shouldn't be too hard to increase from where he was. Um, running backs: Adrian Peterson and C.J. Anderson were both uh, dumpster divers. So C.J. Anderson. Uh, obviously injured his foot on the way into the dumpster. So we know why that happened for him. Sure, sure. But Adrian, he injured his foot and then tripped and fell into the dumpster. No, my take on Adrian Peterson is just, uh, one, he hasn't been hit since 2013 in a live-action football game. And two, uh, Minnesota offense has been running him out of the shotgun, and that's something he has never really done. And the Minnesota offense is trying to pass him the ball more, and that's something he's not really comfortable with. And these things are kind of making it weird for him. That's, I think he just needs to get used to it. Well, I think he needs to be given plays that are more comfortable with what he used to do. Yeah, but Adrian Peterson isn't running the offense. Teddy Bridgewater is. I, they need to tailor the offense to well, Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater. Well, Teddy Bridgewater is not running the offense either. Well, someone else is calling the plays, but you know, in I think their play calling was pretty bad. They're running. A I sh- agree with a lot of 
my friends who were saying that. They're running a shotgun offense. That's what they're running. They're going to keep running that. That's what Teddy Bridgewater is doing. That's what he's done to have success. So they're going to keep doing it. And that's where his short completion game works really well. Um, but it's a weird thing for Adrian Peterson because he's, he used to be running like between the tackles. He needs to figure it out. He's Adrian Peterson. He can do it. Maybe. He's going to be, what, 31 next year? I, I don't... This could be the case of like uh, just... You know, a wasted Adrian Peterson year. Yeah. Wow. No, he's a great running back. He should be able to figure it out. I think they'll find a mix. But I am surprised that he talked about it so bluntly in those in that way, saying like, you know, I don't run out of the shotgun. But maybe it's just the fact that he wasn't in the preseason. He just needs to get some reps, and he'll get it. Yeah, but dude, this is a guy who is not incredibly smart. He's not incredibly smart. I'm not saying he's not intelligent. He's an incredible football player. He's not incredibly smart. He's run the same offense for a long time. That offense was changed. He's been left from the league. Like this is a, a whole new thing. And it's sudden. It's sudden. And it's it's you can't so, you can't expect him to just be right into it. Right. I think naturally you would say, all right, it's gonna take a couple weeks to really get in the groove. You can tell by his responses that he's sort of shocked at like this whole situation. He's going to figure it out. Especially when they when they just set him aside and they put like Asiata and McKinnon out there. Right. Which I think they should do by the way because That's I, smart. I think they're better receiving backs and pass protection, etc. You take AP out there, AP's got to just bricklay it. He's got to just go score touchdowns, but that's not happening. So is AP the the comeback candidate for you, a guy who maybe you could try to buy low right now? Um, I mean, considering AP was a first-round pick, I think a lot of people are not willing to, you know, just dump their first-round pick yet. However, go try. It's always worth a try. Well, is he a buy-low for you? What I'm saying is you value oh, him at a I? high end. Sure, sure. So if he does If someone were to offer him to me, uh, you know, I may not go shopping for him, but if he got mentioned in a trade, I would certainly be very interested. So keep in mind, everyone listening, in my opinion anyway, uh, you're not going to get those people usually shopping around those guys that they're underperforming. That's one of those situations where if you go and knock on the door, maybe you can find some success. Right. Okay. Well, okay, so say you have Adrian Peterson on your team, but you offer me someone else. I may look at Adrian Peterson on your squad and say, well, let's see if he's looking to trade. So he's not, a, he's not a buy-low candidate for you because if he was, you'd be looking at other people and saying, let me grab him. I'm not actively going out to look for him, no. Because he's an old running back in a new system, right? Because he's an mostly because of the pro, of the first thing, because he's an old running back. Because I'm worried that his injury risk is higher than you know a younger guy. Okay, uh, but but say he he doesn't perform up to expectations in week two, then is he still a guy that you would maybe go after, or are you like I think I don't know. honestly, if he has like two maybe three bad weeks in a row, I would try to go after him. Because I think then I could reasonably get him. I don't think that his buy... I don't think the low part of the buy low is going to be there just yet. But, but, but don't think about that. So he is for you a buy low candidate. You would go after him if he doesn't do well in the first two weeks. Sure. Okay. So so I, I sort of agree with that. I think that he'll find uh, his niche in this offense. And that niche should be pretty strong. Um, so if, if someone is uh, not okay with him and they think that he's you know, uh, making his team uh, perform negatively, well, right. then that's something you should probably grab in a redraft league for sure. Maybe they're a Bears fan. <laughs> Maybe they're a frustrated Vikings fan. I, both situations are bad to be in just as people. <laughs> uh, wide receivers Calvin Johnson and Odell Beckham both dumpster diving. So 
Uh, again, dumpster, right into the dumpster. dumpster diving for us means those people that are significantly uh, under their actual projections. And in this case, Calvin Johnson and Golden Tate both did poorly against the Chargers. And that was the result of Detroit's game it's because plan. Because Amir Abdullah. Well, no, it's not. He did well. It wasn't. He, it wasn't his uh, performance that made Calvin Johnson poorly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but Calvin Johnson and Odell Beckham are guys that you drafted to be your top dogs. So how are you feeling about them? Uh, and and how do you think that's going to? Uh, what are you going to watch in the weeks coming up? Uh, is it the offense's fault? And if it is, is the offense going to get better? Uh, so. Starting with Odell, he had eight targets. I'm not too worried about what I saw. Um, he does need to get downfield more. He only had 8.8 yards per reception. He's almost uh, like turned into, for this game, the possession guy for Eli Manning rather than like a down-the-field guy. So I'm not sure if it was uh, the way Dallas was scheming them or part of their game plan, but I'm not so worried about Odell uh, getting his workload in. He had 130 targets in 12 games Last year, that's you know about eleven targets a game. Uh, today he had, or last week he had eight. So eight isn't like anything to you know scoff at. With five receptions per game, that's eighty a year. I'll take Odell getting eighty this year. Now Kelvin Johnson only had four targets in two receptions. I don't know what the hell the deal is with that. I don't know why when, especially because the Lions were down, they weren't throwing to Kelvin Johnson. So uh, that may worry me a little bit more. Well, I've been saying for a while now that I think uh, Calvin Johnson's sort of on his way out, but he's still a huge athlete. It's just that they have Golden Tate, they have a running game developing. He'll always be a huge whatever he is, Yeah, because he's huge. I, I didn't draft him in any leagues, but I also didn't draft Odell. Now, I do agree with you, I think Odell will get his share of targets. I just don't know if he'll be the beast that he was last year. That depends on New York's offense. Uh, as far as Detroit is concerned, they're going to have games like that. San Diego did a good job playing defense against that aerial attack, or lack thereof. Uh, Eric Ebron actually got a touchdown in a number of yards that I didn't expect. So they did go somewhere, but they didn't go to Johnson and Tate. Um, as far as tight ends are concerned here, we have Greg Olson and Owen Daniels that were dumpster divers. Now, Owen Daniels is considered a, uh, a much higher projected tight end because he is the new tight end on... Uh, Denver that Peyton Manning's throwing to. Obviously, as a result of Peyton Manning not having a very good passing game, uh, Owen Daniels didn't get whatever he was expected to get. Right. Greg Olson, uh, you would expect him to get a ton of targets because Kelvin Benjamin is not there. But it didn't turn out really that way. However, Olsen had a, a possible touchdown reception. He had one called back, yeah. And if he would have gotten that, he wouldn't be on this list. So suffice to say, I think we think Greg Olson will be just fine in that offense. Sure. Yeah, I'm not too worried about Greg Olson. Honestly, I'm not too worried about most of the guys on that list. Let's play a little game. So uh, we have overachievers here, which is the opposite of dumpster divers. Much more fun to talk about. Puts a smile on your face, right? Sure. I want you to tell me, out of these four guys at a position, uh, which one will continue the trend of overachieving over the next couple games, and which one is shouldn't be on that list, and it was a complete fluke. Um, are okay, you, so, are you cool with that? Okay, do you want to tell? Do you want me to tell the, the folks who the no, four players are? I'll, I'll tell you the players. Okay, and then you tell me which guy will continue on that trend, and which guy is a fluke, and which guy shouldn't be on the list. Exactly. Okay, and the other two we'll assume are somewhere in between those things. Okay. All right. So uh, week one overachievers, we had Nick Foles on St. Louis, uh, who beat Seattle and scored a bunch of touchdowns. Uh, Marcus 
Mariota, and he had four touchdowns and 16 throws. Uh, he was almost perfect. <laughs> 16 completions. Completions. Alex Smith, who uh, threw a whole bunch to Travis Kelsey and Jamal Charles, and also like over-exceeded his usual goals. Uh, and Tom Brady, who had three touchdowns to Gronkowski, a touchdown to Scott Chandler, all tight end day, uh, and and had a just a field day versus the Steelers. So which one continues and which one is a fluke? Fun common stat: Alex Smith and Tom Brady have not thrown a touchdown to a wide receiver this year. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that uh, Mariota. I, I just feel like I said it weird, even if I didn't say it wrong. Mariota. Mariota. Uh, I think he'll be the overachiever of the year. He, I mean, hell, I'm, you know, if ever you want to hype someone early and crown them early, like, so you're give high him the rookie him of the year. Or not high on him. Oh, he looked fantastic. He looked yeah. like an NFL quarterback. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Why do you think Chip Kelly wanted him so bad? Like, I know. Like, <laughs> Can you imagine him being the, the uh, play caller? I said that earlier. The signal caller of the Eagles, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> and then, I don't know. I mean, look, I know he's Tom Brady. And he had a really good game, but I don't think he belongs on this list. That is achieving for him, not overachieving. Um, that's all, you know. Uh, but but you're asking me which of these guys falls off. They all exceeded their projection. They were the top four to exceed, to exceed their, their projections. projections. I, I would regularly expect Tom Brady to hit or exceed his projection, but that wouldn't be a very good projection. So who falls then. off then? You don't you got to justify. So it. falls off. I would say Foles. Okay, so Nick Foles falls off because why? Because St. Louis doesn't have a good target. Because they don't have the targets. Is he going to play a Drew Alex Brees? Smith has Drew Kel- has Kelsey and Jamal Charles. I mean, and Jeremy Macklin. And Jeremy Macklin. See, I wasn't going to keep bringing up Jeremy Macklin. They brought him up all year, and <laughs> you kept giving me crap for him. I still like Jeremy Macklin. I think that if Jeremy Macklin struggles again, he's another buy low candidate. Yeah, and you can buy him really low because he wasn't that expensive. Yeah, but you're not mentioning him because you're starting to sort of temper your expectations for the Alex Smith wide receiver Jeremy Macklin. I just don't want to keep like look, let him score a touchdown and then I'll you know that's what I'm start talking to. Let let any wide receiver score a touchdown on the Chiefs first. Right, I kind of think you know what maybe that does (laughs) need to happen before we keep talking about how good their receivers are going to be. Yeah. But I do still think that it's a three-headed okay. beast between them. So and that'll uh, keep Alex Smith up here in the uh, achieving to overachieving. So Mariota, he ends up being uh, an amazing rookie quarterback, and he's maybe a top fifteen or top ten quarterback, uh, and continues to overachieve. And Nick Foles is the guy that is up there, but he's not up there for good reason. It's a fluke situation. Uh, in this great performance for Seattle. Okay, I tend to agree with you. Okay. Uh, uh, running backs, we have Carlos Hyde, San Francisco. Great performance. He looked super, like, hyper-energetic. He was diving into plays. He was looking for contact. Bishop Sankey is a player that we didn't like last year, but has really grown in his role in Tennessee and played extremely well in Week 1. Danny Woodhead, who's a guy that we have as, like, I think a, a number 20. We were up on We were high on Woodhead. I think... We were higher, honestly, than most any other experts out there. And let's be honest, we under-projected. <laughs> no, because we we were projecting for... Uh, for an average, not for yeah, a, you, a high. You can't project for an overachievement. Right. Uh, I think we did pretty well. I, I'm not sure exactly where he was on the Week 1 rankings, but I would suggest he was probably... In the Standard League, he was 7th overall. So he did make top 10, as we were arguing about earlier. Yeah, uh, and then Chris Ivory on the Jets, uh, who uh, again he had a really good performance. He's obviously entrenched in their uh, like every single down back position. Okay, uh, and so Hyde, Sankey, Woodhead, and Ivory. One of those guys 
is a fluke, and one of those guys is going to keep going. Uh, I think Woodhead and Ivory can both keep going. Carlos Hyde feels like a fluke, but I'm not sure. But I'm pretty sure Bishop Sankey was a fluke. Now you've just mentioned all four players. This is this is the rules of the game have been broken here. <laughs> you have to pick one. I play by the rules. One that trends up. Okay. And one that is a fluke. <laughs> okay. Then the one that trends up all year is Chris Ivory. All right. And the one that is a fluke is Bishop Sankey. Got it. Because we both thought that Hyde wasn't going to do well. His performance just in that game against Minnesota, even if he doesn't play that well, the rest I'm willing of the year, to shut up about Hyde for a week or two after seeing that. He's good. Yep. Yep. Wide receivers, Julio Jones on Atlanta, way, way overachieved. Nice work. A lot of people think he could be the best receiver in the NFL ever in I the history of the NFL. I knew he scored 30 a week. Travis Benjamin on Cleveland. There were no other receivers really doing anything, and Travis Benjamin ended up being an outstanding player. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, who just outdid himself. Unbelievable performance. And James Jones, who came back from the Giants, back to his home team, the Packers, Filled in and now will probably be uh, as productive as you know the number two, number three position on the Packers could possibly be. So um, you're going to be a jerk and make me pick just one again, aren't you? Of course. Well, I will start off by saying that like Tom Brady, Julio Jones almost you know doesn't belong on the list. You expect him to be in places like this, but it doesn't matter. So, I'm saying overachieving. I mean, if you continue to overachieve as Julio Jones, just because I'm not going to say Julio Jones here doesn't mean that I think he's bad. But I'm going to say DeAndre Hopkins continues to overachieve. Yeah, he he's amazing. Okay, and I think that uh, Travis Benjamin is going to be the guy who can't keep up because that team is not going to figure it out. Travis Benjamin <laughs> does not have a history of being the guy, even though he hasn't gotten a chance to start much. Um, so three catches, 89 yards, and a touchdown. Looks great on paper. Paper Feels good week one. Um, well, you know Dwayne Bowe got re- relegated worry. to like the uh, third or fourth He's the receiver. most expensive receiver that nobody throws to. Right. Uh, Brian Hartline is there, but he's really just a possession guy who's not very good or explosive. Right. It's going to be Travis Benjamin and Taylor Gabriel, I guess. Yeah. So there's that. If you want to mess with Cleveland... Okay, so you called him a fluke. Uh, and, and to clarify, you know, I'm not saying Julio Jones is not going to do well if you don't pick him, but if he's overachieving at the level he's already projected for, that means if he continues to overachieve at that level, that he would probably be maybe one of the best receivers that has right. ever played. So you're never going to get him off of someone's team to trade for them. He's going to be... His value is sky high. Yeah, but right you're now. just saying he's going to return back to his regular projections. He's not going to get 30 points a game. No, I think he certainly could more than anyone else. I just, you know, don't think he belongs on that. Like, one of these things is not like the other. One of them is a proven guy that's being drafted in the first round. The other guys, like, might have, you know. We're not necessarily there yet. Well, just to clarify again, this, this is not about guys. He that, just overachieves so much. Yes, that he belongs on that list. Right, and I get that. You know, it's, it's a, a it's a percentage thing. of their projection based sure. on what they actually got. And uh, Julio Jones is probably a hundred percent. Tight ends: uh, Austin Safarian Jenkins, Tampa Bay; Tyler Eifert, or is it Eifert? Is it Eifert or Eifert? Now that we're pronouncing everyone's names correctly. Uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe his mom needs to call us and let us know. All right. Miss Eifert, if you're around, please give us a call. Miss Eifert. Tyler Eifert, Cincinnati. (laughs) Rob Gronkowski, New England. And Travis Kelsey, Kansas City. So one, It's Robe Gronkowski. Robe Gronkowski. It's a long O. They're Swedish. Got it. (laughs) 
So one of these players is uh, is going to continue with this upward trend and overachievement, and the other guy that you're going to pick is a fluke on this list and will not continue to perform at this level. Who are they? Well, Rob Gronkowski is the guy that is always going to overachieve until but, he breaks a bone. You're looking at it wrong. Well, then don't put Rob Gronkowski on this. You list. don't understand how this is working. Let me break it down to you. I understand exactly how there this is, is a working. projection. And then there is their actual points. Right. Regardless of how good the player is, mm-hmm. if they overperform, they're on the list. Right. Right. I know that. So if, if you think that Rob Gronkowski will continue to overperform his projection every week, then he's the guy. He's the most likely one to do that. I don't think so. Oh, that's fine. We can disagree. Overachieving. That's the, that's the, look. Rob Gronkowski already has a history of being great. So in order for him to overachieve, he'll have to score three touchdowns a game. I think that he can easily have a 20-touchdown year. And that's not three touchdowns a game, but a 20-touchdown year is overachieving. Okay. I think of all these guys, he is the most likely one to overachieve throughout the whole year. Even though the standards set on Gronkowski are so high, he is most likely to achieve the standards put on him he's obviously not in this a, category. He's obviously not a fluke, but he's also obviously not... The most likely to overachieve, considering how high his standards already are. Just because I'm saying, despite that, it's not true. He still is. Just because he had this really big game, half the time Gronk gets a touchdown and 80 yards, and that's great. That's wonderful. You know, that's fantastic. But it's not amazing. It's that's it's not like overachieving. Look, that's just regular Gronk. Jenkins has Winston throwing to him. Eifert has Dalton. Kelsey has Alex Smith. Gronkowski has fucking Tom Brady. Okay, I, I didn't like intercede in the other ones. I just think that Kelsey is the obvious candidate here to continue to overachieve because Kelsey. Apparently, I got it wrong, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> because because that's the only other target that he throws to. Alex Smith throws to Kelsey and Jamal Charles. Right. <sighs> Tom Brady throws to Rob Gronkowski and then the rest of the team. Yes, but Alex Smith doesn't throw to the rest of the team. <laughs> the rest of the team is Jamal Charles <laughs> in that situation. I okay. Well, fair enough. Which All right. One? Okay. So I think we can both agree that both Gronkowski and Kelsey are going to be like one and two the rest of the year for the most part. Right. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, I'm not. That's not. None of that is what I'm saying here. I, I don't. I don't care. I'm not saying these four guys are going to be one through four. I'm not saying Gronk and Kelsey are going to be one and two. I'm just saying this game in week one they overachieved. Right, based on their projections. So, which one will continue to overachieve throughout the year? And you, you think it's Gronk? If it's Gronk, that that'll make Gronkowski the best tight end ever play in the NFL. Uh, that's that's yep. fine if that's what you think. <laughs> Pretty sure that he's going to be. I that think he'll go talking. back to his average, and his average is huge. Right. But I think Kelsey will continue to overperform because he his average was already low. He's pulling his average up pretty quick. Yes, but it his current projection for games is not that high. That's the point. What all right? Where are you? Where are these projections sourced? Well, okay. Well, we'll talk about this off there. That that's inconsequential. This is just sort of a an average, uh, uh, you know, thing based on like the ECR at Fantasy Pros. Okay. Doesn't matter. Uh, point is, uh, we both think Gronk and, and Kelsey will do well. Uh, we didn't really pick a fluke out of these guys. I assume that if there's a fluke, uh, that you'll probably say that that is uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, I would think Eifert would be the fluke. 
Now, I forgot number two targets, so you don't think he's going to continue to get those sort of number two targets on that team? I think that there are a lot more, you know, like they really like Jeremy Hill and A.J. Green more than they like Eifert. Jeremy Hill? Yeah. Not to throw to, but just to run the offense through. Well, of course. I'm and that's going to lose, you know, opportunities for the time. Number two passing target. Um, that, yeah. That's I mean, where he's looking at here. So, I mean, if you have a guy like Dalton who throws for... He had like nine catches. I don't think that's going to that's gonna keep up. Okay. So, so no more Eifert. So that means Austin Safarian Jenkins is a guy who will probably still continue to get a lot of uh, work on that, that Tampa Bay offense. Yeah. I mean, Mike Evans was out last week, so that helped him, obviously, but... Jameis Winston is a young guy. He's going to probably stick with what works for him, even though not much worked for him last week. <laughs> but, you know, we'll see what happens. In other news, the Titans are probably going to win next week because they play Cleveland, and they're going to be 2-0 and and leading the AFC South. Way yeah, to go. That's, that's interesting. Mariota. So uh, so Thursday game we have the Broncos versus the Chiefs, and would you tell me one guy who uh, who you think out of that out of that? Uh, um, group of fantasy players could be a guy that sort of shines that hasn't been uh, the spotlight's not currently on him. Okay, so not Charles, not Kelsey, not C.J. Anderson. Not yeah, Mike like Mayer. you tell me, Macklin or Sanders or something like that. You know. Well, since you mentioned both of them, I was gonna say them. Okay, but those guys, <laughs> those guys are already drafted. So anybody who's more, uh, you know. A little bit farther in the depths, or do you think? Okay, okay. Um, I think that um, Owen Daniels is going to have uh, like eighty yards and a touchdown. Not a banner game, but it's going to be an important game. No, it's great. Yeah, I, I I tend to agree with you. I think that if Peyton Manning was able to pick up, that Daniels would get a lot of production there. Yeah, let's take a game from each time slot. I was thinking uh, we talk about the Cardinals versus the Bears since we touched on it earlier. Um, it looks like all the Bears receivers are healthy. Uh, again, and with the exception of Kevin White, who's they were probably always healthy. They just didn't want to tell us. <laughs> yeah, I mean maybe I, John Fox is Bill Belichick, I guess. Uh, so you've got Elshon Jeffrey who did okay, uh, Martellus Bennett who did pretty well, Forte who did well. Um, who on the Bears can be outstanding, or does Arizona just kind of shut out that offense? And who on Arizona can be outstanding? Is that uh, a guy you'd expect, like John Brown. Um, also, is John Brown now the guy we're expecting to be outstanding? Yes, I think so. Okay. Also, I want to know about Michael Floyd. Is is he coming back at all, ever, or is he just done now? Um, I think Michael Floyd is the odd man out for sure. John Brown is clearly uh, one of Carson Palmer's favorites. He would be an idiot to write off Larry Fitzgerald. And so, Malcolm Floyd's the odd man out. Idiot. Idiot. So, I think that... On the Bears, the only person who can really be great is Matt Forte. And I don't care if he's playing the best defense in the league or the worst. He can still have a really good game. Um, But, I mean, there's no one else on the Bears right now. Elshon Jeffrey, you know, you've always said it. He needs a second guy there. I think you're right. I think he'll turn into um, someone who can catch six or seven passes per game on the regular basis but is no longer going to be getting those 200-yard games. Yeah, he can't break away because he needs another guy to take away the number one corner. Right, right. He needs someone to... Or 
I mean, he could be the number one guy, but he needs a second threat there's, to 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 fill the Alshon Jeffrey role, if you will. Yeah, it was just a slot. They need someone to like uh, spread the field a little. bit. You know, bit. Brandon Marshall went from a team that had that to another team that has that in Eric Decker. So <laughs> that's why his production, you know, kept up. Hey, Marshall should be good this year. That's what I've been saying. Yeah. Uh, you know, I like the Bears fans are split in half. It's like half people think Marshall. Wow, he's going to be good. Why the they're Bears still get bigger good? than most of the fans too. <laughs> And the other half people are like, Marshall's terrible, he's awful, he's never going to be good again. Oh, you know what? That little part of the Bears fan in me still does that. I was in the grocery store parking lot on Sunday morning, (laughs) and a little kid walked by with a Brandon Marshall jersey, and I'm thinking to myself, Dad, you better get that kid a better jersey. He's still a great receiver, the best receiver the Bears have ever had. Yeah, and the best quarterback the Bears have ever had, too. And they didn't do very well. And it's like the... Third best running back the Bears have ever had. Maybe the second now. Let's see if we can touch on a couple. So, uh, uh, looking at the Falcons at the Giants. Okay. Do you think that uh, the Giants' offense will be a little bit better here? Uh, does Shane Vereen have a good uh, impact against the Falcons? Was the Falcons' defense really, really good against the Eagles? Because I saw them uh, you know, performing. Well, I shouldn't say that. They were really good against the Eagles, at least for about the first half of the game. So... Is, is that like something that we weren't expecting? Or is that just uh, Sam Bradford brushing off the uh, uh, not having played the since 2013? The 700-day-old cobwebs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Look, I think a lot of teams last week, now it's last week, were uh, very rusty to start off the game. The Atlanta Falcons took advantage of that by having a really hot start. It takes, a, takes some precision. It takes some... Um, you know, momentum to get an offense running right. Defense is all about reaction, so you can immediately, you know, get off on the right foot. But it's really hard for offenses to start out, you know, just going crazy. That's that's what the uh, Patriots did on Thursday night, and that's what everyone expected to see from everyone else. But that's not how, you know, most teams handle themselves. That's not how most teams get going. So, I think that a lot of that rust will be shaken off. In, in week two, we're going to see the Falcons' defense kind of come down to earth, and we're going to see the Giants' offense move back up a little bit. As far as the Giants' running back situation goes, that shit's murky as hell. Um, clear as mud, whatever stupid uh, euphemism, not euphemism, but metaphor you want to use. Those are opposite. Those are not the same. Anyways, <laughs> uh, Rashad Jennings and Shane Vereen are going to be splitting carries, and Andre Williams is in there. Um, you know, I just think that the Giants, uh, ideally would throw the ball a little bit more and are going to get the ball downfield more, uh, because Eli Manning can still throw the hell out of the ball. All right. Uh, we'll do Dallas Cowboys at the Eagles. So without Des Bryant, uh, this was going to be a much different game with Des Bryant because both teams would have all these threats all over the field. Now uh, they're going against DeMarco Murray. They they do know DeMarco Murray, so maybe there's some things that they know about him they can exploit to their advantage. He broke you, his hand last year. You would think that there are, right? It's like they would know sort of which way he doesn't run well and how to p- make him fumble. And they, they played with him for a long time. But that doesn't always happen. So you think that uh, the Cowboys... They know what kind of food to take him out to the night before so that he has a bad mo- morning. Maybe. <laughs> well, I'll ask you this. So... Who has a better game, Sam Bradford or Tony Romo? I know it's a hard choice. It it shouldn't be a hard choice, <laughs> but no, Bradford's looking pretty good. I know Bradford looked really good. Uh, Take away Bryant. Go with Romo. I gotta go with Romo. Romo without Bryant uh, 
was that guy in the fourth quarter when you're like, oh, Romo's getting back the game the ball. Well, the Cowboys are going to score. Right. That was a foregone conclusion. I haven't felt it's as much of a foregone conclusion since, like, the heyday of Peyton Manning and the heyday of Brett Favre and, you know, Tom Brady in a lot of his fourth quarter comebacks. That's what it felt like. Well, he's getting the ball. They're going to win. Yeah, so we're talking about the Dallas Cowboys versus the Philadelphia Eagles. And uh, I agree with you. I think Tony Romo will have a good game here. He tends to be a great quarterback in most situations, regardless of what you think about him. Like, your emotional feelings about Tony Romo have nothing to do with his actual statistical performances. Tony Romo is done fucking around. He is going to elevate himself to be clearly an elite quarterback. The problem is he doesn't have Des Bryant, so he's going to have to spread the ball around more than he normally does. Now, I think a dangerous thing for the Cowboys could do would be to have like a two tight end set. It looks like it could be pretty good with Witten and Escobar. Hey, every every young champion has to encounter some great, you know, obstacle early on in their journey. Young journey. champion. <laughs> yes, Tony Romo was a young champion. Tony Romo, he's not very young. <laughs> he's not a champion yet. So you're saying he'll win so the Super Bowl early in the and season? Overcome Seattle early in the season. <laughs> he has to overcome this great. Obstacle of losing Des Bryant. No, this Bryant. is a good story. I like this story. It's... And therefore, he's going to learn how to work with all these other guys. And when Des comes back in week 9, week 10, it's going to be just yeah. Des, amazing Des magic. will come back and be heralded as a god. And he'll get 200 yards and 3 touchdowns a game. And then when the Cowboys win the Super Bowl, there'll be a statue erected of Des Bryant. above. Of, it'll be of Tony Romo. No. It'll be of Tony None Romo. None of this is going to happen. But Tony Romo should have a good game here. <laughs> If there is a Tony Romo statue erected at Dallas Cowboys Stadium, we're going there. We're not making that bad. Because <laughs> I don't know what the other side of that is. The other side of that. You're well, going to have to buy me. You're going to have to buy me like Chinese food for life or something. <laughs> yeah, whenever I want fucking egg rolls, I got. I just call you. You order them up. That's my whole rest of my life. It's taken care of. Egg rolls for life, man. Uh, one last game: New York Jets at Indianapolis Colts. Now we did touch on this earlier. The Jets have a great defense. Uh, they've installed a lot of great things there. They've got a good offense. It's sort of it's new. It's under Fitzpatrick, but you know what they say about Fitzpatrick? He's at three quarterback, three game quarterback. He's going to be good for about three games, and then they're going to be like, "Oh, it's Fitzpatrick." But oh, I forgot. We're still in the second game. We have Ryan Fitzpatrick. We're still in the second game, which means he'll probably be pretty good. So <laughs> the Colts' defense was pretty bad last week. Well, the Colts' defense has never been. They good. gave up a lot of points to Tyrod Taylor. It's never been good. Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor. <laughs> like last week I went to the shop and got my tie rods replaced. Uh, Came with a free tailor. Uh, nice. No, that was a terrible joke. So I'm just going to go back to my beer. <laughs> no, uh, so the Colts, they have a bad offensive line. They've proved it. Congratulations, Colts. You've made your point. You have a bad offensive line. Uh, In case anyone was wondering. I, I saw that uh, earlier uh, today that the Colts were looking at Ahmad Bradshaw as coming back again to be part of their squad, which would be a great decision because Ahmad Bradshaw knows the offense and he's a really, really good third down back. How much would that affect Frank Gore's value? Uh, it still wouldn't affect it very much because Frank Gore was going to be on a pitch count anyway. Okay. So, I mean, you say the guy maybe gets 16 a game. That's the same as he got in the 49ers for the past two years. He and was, they did just get rid of Vic Ballard. Do you think that tomorrow we see an Ahmad Bradshaw signing? I think that's, that's pretty likely. Ahmad Bradshaw was suspended for the first game. And no, he's not. Right. So he'll be, like we talked about. He served his suspension. And actually, yeah. yes, uh, you were right about that. Te- players can serve their suspension not being on a team. Yep. 
So that's, that's what happened. He just sat there. I guess it is a big penalty because they're not uh, they don't have a contract at the time. Yeah, and then it is especially <laughs> if you're a veteran because you're not able to get that guarantee. So does that mean like Justin Blackman is serving a suspension right now, and and Josh Gordon is, or is Josh Gordon still a member of the Cleveland Browns? <laughs> Josh Gordon, I, I don't know. He tried to he tried now to sell that's cars. A name I haven't heard. He in was a unable long, to. Long time. I, I don't want to talk about Josh Gordon. So <laughs> the, the, the Jets versus the Colts. Uh, I think that if T.Y. Hilton plays, or if he doesn't play, it doesn't matter. Their offense should be a little bit better than it was previously. But now they're playing the Jets, so I do expect for Andrew Luck to give up maybe an interception early. There's some issues. Uh, being a, a guy that had Luck on one of my big fantasy teams last year, the one thing I noticed was that he always tended to uh, have to make adjustments in every game before he got to the point where he was throwing up bombs and scoring touchdowns. He would start very poorly. And he seems to still do that. It's like he, no matter how much uh, video, no matter how much tape he has, granted he's a newer quarterback still, yeah. but you know, being heralded as one of these guys who's like the second coming of you know the Peyton Manning, the Drew Brees, the Tony Romo. It's that beard. It's out of control. Yeah. He's, maybe he's just too young, but he, he seems like he always needs too much information and play to be able to readjust himself to do well. I'm not sure if this continues with a bad offensive line that he'll have enough time to adjust in games to win them. Uh, p- perhaps the problem is the line itself. Uh, I never really looked into it last year, to be honest with you. I-, I know he got sacked more times than any other quarterback in the league. This is really disheartening because I thought that Luck was going to be amazing and he was really hyped up. What are you thinking? Uh, Colts, Jets, uh, what team wins... And what do we come out thinking after the game is over? Do we think, wow, the Jets are amazing? Or do we think, oh, the Colts aren't bad after all? Or do we think these teams are not as good as we thought? Look, if people really didn't like uh, Andrew Luck, then you'd be recommending them to buy low. Uh, The people with Andrew Luck are going to be fine. Andrew Luck is going to... So you're not worried about this offensive line? I'm not worried about Andrew Luck. I'm certainly worried that the offensive line isn't going to be great. Um, but at the same time, you know, he may have had the most sacks last year, but his sack percentage, the turn, the, the amount of times he dropped back for a pass was only 4.2%. So it's not like crazy. He's still getting a lot of his passes off. Um, so that leads me to believe that he may be taking some of those sacks on purpose. Uh, that being said, you know, that game for the Colts is a throwaway. Burn the tape, start fresh this week. They have uh, one more, uh, no, they start at home against the Jets. So um, he has not a very good history against the Jets. 280 yards, no touchdowns, two picks. Um, But I expect him to have a traditional start slow, pick it up, win the game in the second half. Okay, well, that, that could certainly happen here. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Um, anything else you want to add in the show before we wrap it up? No, I think uh, I can't wait for week two. Oh, well, that's that's a nice sentiment, Jason. I think there's there's rainbows and there's kitties and things like, you know, meowing and playing everywhere. Yeah, it's, you know me, I fucking love cats. It's just wonderful. <laughs> well, uh, thanks for tuning in to the Drink 5 Network's broadcast of Fantasy Football Podcast. Drink5.com is our website, and you can check out our rankings at Fantasy Pros on a weekly basis. We're about to come out with our Week 2 rankings tomorrow, so please stay tuned. And if you guys want to uh, check in with us next week and chat in the chat room, 
have any lineup questions or burning issues on your mind, please bring them up. It's Mixler.com, M-I-X-L-R.com slash Drink5, where you can find us at 9 o'clock p.m. Central Time on Tuesdays.